golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We will fall to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4, in the house, Holly G, along with the best caddy on the planet, Rich B. We are... Here, Rich B, on the eve of the Masters, the first major of the year. And uh, it's sort of like Christmas Eve for us golfers, isn't it, Rich B? Always a fun time, uh, you know, because it's still a little chilly up north. You know, the golf courses aren't in full swing. But in Augusta, everything is in full bloom, and the golf course looks great. And everybody's excited to watch the golf tournament on TV this weekend. Oh yeah, nonstop. It should be it should be a golfer's holiday, don't you think? We should have no school, no work for, you know, Thursday, <laughs> Friday, just, you know, like we used to have those snow days up north. I'll okay. tell you what, the town of Augusta actually shuts down. I mean, everybody within a, you know, 50-mile range has got a job for the week down there. Uh they put on a very good show. It's so cool. It's so beautiful up there. The ticket prices are kind of expensive, but, uh, you know, it is a uh, once-in-a-lifetime bucket list kind of thing. Absolutely. And um, they've just finished up the Par 3 contest. It was an exciting finish between Kevin Streelman and Camila Vijegas. Uh They actually went into a playoff, and I believe uh, Kevin Streelman came out on top. Of course, you know, it's considered bad luck to win the Par 3. In fact, um, Mr. Tiger Woods uh, alluded that he's actually dunked a couple in the water on the ninth hole to avoid winning the par three tournament, Rich B. So, um, well, I don't know. Maybe those guys are looking to turn around history, but I don't know if it bodes well for them. You know, it's a great week for sports all in general. I mean, you had the uh, college basketball, men's and women's. You had uh, uh, Lexi Thompson on the cover of uh, Golf Week. (laughs) You got baseball starting, you know, you got the Masters going. I mean, uh, you know, spring is here. Let's get it on. And uh big shout out to Brittany Lincecum for winning the first yeah. LPGA major. Very cool. Out in uh, Palm Springs. Great uh, playoff win. But let's waste no time because we got a great lineup tonight. We're going straight to the press center, the big mega media center up at Augusta. And we're going to check in with one of our favorites. One of Florida's own, the uh, golf writer for the Florida Times Union up in Jacksonville, Gary Smith, joining us. Hey, Gary. Hey, Al. How you doing? Oh, listen to you. You sound so suave there. <laughs> like nothing's going on. It's the Masters. I was, I was trying for my Elvis voice. Yeah, well, it, it definitely worked. So, um, <laughs> hey, I know it is, uh, you know, there's so many storylines going, going on up there. Uh, the one I want to ask you right off the bat is because I have just really been noticing Tiger looks loose for Tiger, smiling, uh, you know, chatting it up. What, what What's going on? He looks like he's been into some happy juice. Well, <laughs> well we don't want to speculate what kind that might be. Uh, no, I but, meant you know, like, he, you know, the good stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he. I mean, he does uh, seem relaxed. He, he's he stopped and 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 he stopped stopped talking to the media under the uh, the oak tree Monday. Well, that's a situation he's hardly ever done, uh, maybe never. And uh, then he came in the media center yesterday, and you know, I, you, you could argue the fatherhood has done as uh, has uh, helped him loosen up. You could say that all the adversity that he's had uh, in the last five years or so, or certainly since. He won his last Masters in 2010. Has helped loosen him up and everything. And you know, you and you know, any sports psychologist will tell you that you probably played this game or a lot of games better if you have a, a, a clear mind, uh, an untroubled mind, maybe even an uncluttered mind, as they might, as they say. And uh, you hope it is because this sport is still better if Tiger Woods is part of the narrative. And uh, you know, now he is this week. And the funny part about this, and, and I'm not the first one to, to consider this, last week ABC had a teleconference, ABC, ESPN, I'm sorry, with, with Angus Aaron and Curtis Strange in any north about, and this is the day before Tiger said he was going to play, and Azinger was the one who said, you know, this is going to, if Tiger plays, it will enable Rory McIlroy trying to get the career grand slam to ride under the radar. It will enable Bubba Watson trying to be the first guy to defend since Nick, Nick Faldo, I'm sorry, since Tiger in 01 and 02. To ride under the radar, it may enable, um, you know, Jimmy Walker, who's who's won more tournaments in the last uh, year and a half or so than anybody, to ride under the radar, and uh, and all that could be true if Tiger comes out and chops it up and misses the cut, then the focus goes right back on to those guys. But if this week hasn't proven anything, or since the day he decided to play in the Masters, is this guy still moves a needle? And it's not the media doing this, okay? This is the public. The public is interested. They're the ones who are clicking on stories. They're the ones who are driving ratings. They're the ones who are driving the page views. And uh, and there's some curmudgeons who have already responded to columns I've written and stuff like that online and say, well, we're, you know, we're tired of this. We're, well, no, the public is not tired of Tiger Woods. They're really not. And well, we're giving people what they want. Yeah, absolutely. And let's let's face it, I think there's a, a lot of curiosity about, you know, what's the state of his game uh, you know, Tiger had said that he had really wished that he could have come back to at Bay Hill in Orlando, but that he wasn't quite ready. So, you know, we're a few months, a few weeks down the road. He said he's been working his butt off. Um, mm-hmm. And it, but, you know, clearly didn't feel he was ready for Bay Hill. We know he loves the tournament because, you know, uh, won here eight times. So it would certainly be a comfortable place for him to come back. But I think. You know, there's a lot of curiosity, both in where's his game at and also, you know, hey, there's nobody like Tiger who could come off of a leave of absence and walk onto Augusta and be prepared to win. You're, you're, you're exactly right. This is one thing. Marco Mara said this when he made a visit to the Hall of Fame a month and a half ago when I was talking to him, and he said the same thing the other day, is, is you better never underestimate this guy because every time, you know, he's been told he can't do something, he does going back to the doctor who tried to tell him not to play the 2008 U.S. Open because he had a broke, uh, cracked fibula, okay, or tibia. And and guess what? He told that doctor, no, I'm not going to do it, and I'm going to go, and he won the dog on U.S. Open. So uh, it, it's it's always – the reason why this guy is so has been so good is always, you know, he's very good about putting uh, him against the world thing, him against the field, him against the course. And he's always looking to establish a competitive edge by – building that up in his mind, okay, that it's it's me against somebody. It's me. It's only me. I don't have anybody helping me, and I'm going to go out there and do it myself. And it's it's an individual sport, 
you know, indeed that's probably the mentality of a lot of, of almost anybody that plays golf. But with him, he takes it to a different level. I, I, I told somebody once Tiger would have been a perfect nineteen late nineteen eighties Miami Hurricane. If he'd have been a college football player, he would have been great for that team because he's got that kind of me against the world attitude. You know, and uh, on the other hand, now he's showing a side of himself that he normally wouldn't show. He's got his uh, girlfriend, Lindsey Vaughn, and his kids mm-hmm. there. So, you know, he should be on his best behavior and putting out uh, a good public persona because, uh, you know, he doesn't want to be that curmudgeon that we were talking about a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, you know, and personally, I think, you know, this is going to help him. You know, uh, he's been out of the limelight. It's not going to hurt his brand at all to be the yeah. good guy. Well, somebody pointed out that, you know, Jack Nicklaus, uh, 18 major championships, he won like 16 or 17 as, as a father. So, you know, his clear fatherhood did nothing but help Jack. And, and, and it could very well be that Tiger has finally embraced it. Now, his oldest is about seven, and uh, the youngest is, uh, I think, about three or something like that and everything. It's not like he became a father overnight or did what Bubba did and went the adoption route and it's just kind of happened relatively quickly. But maybe, you know, maybe it's, it's taken this long to get it through his head that there's a little bit of a higher calling to him than golf. And that's uh, family and that's kids. And because he assigns that kind of priority and shoves golf into the background, regardless of how much he wants to win, then I think that removes the pressure a little bit. If you see what I'm saying, and and there, somebody did this research and everything. They came up with an incredible list of golfers who won PGA Tour events within a month or two after becoming a father for the first time. It's unbelievable. It's 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 it was just a very long laundry list of this, and um, you know it can be an accident. Yeah, very very interesting. Another guy that uh, is flying under the radar, given the fact that he finished second last year and came into Sunday's round leading and has been one of the hottest players, along with J- fellow Texan Jimmy Walker, is Jordan Spieth. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly giving him a little bit more of a relaxed uh, atmosphere, I think, coming into his second Masters. You know, Jordan. If you look at the stats, if you didn't know who the, who the name was, and you showed somebody. You know, the fairways, greens, uh, driving accuracy. So it, you show that to him, and you say, this guy's probably 117th on a money list. Okay, But Jordan Spieth doesn't do any one thing outstanding. What he does do is he gets a ball in a hole before you do. And and especially, you know, this year he's been in contention at a few more events. And last year's players, last year's Masters, he was right there. And he... Uh, he misses a fairway, he still gets it in the hole. He misses a green, he still gets it in the hole. Uh, he's it, it, It's not a short... He, he doesn't conjure up shots like Tiger did in, 19, in 2010 at number 16, but he takes the really difficult ones and gives himself a chance on the green. That one the other day at Houston where he had it on the downhill slope. Uh, it should have gone into the bunker, but on the downhill slope, nobody gets that shot within 25 feet. And indeed, somebody, a lot of guys might scull it into the water on the other side. And he gave himself an eight-foot putt. Might have missed it, but, you know, he gave himself that opportunity. So because Jordan doesn't do anything particularly well, but he does everything pretty doggone good, I think he's always a threat at the tough courses. Absolutely. And we know that there is a, a, a little bit of scrambling that has to happen at Augusta. And the big thing is you have to avoid the three putts and, uh, you know, 
certainly one thing that we do see out of Jordan is he can he can slam in those twenty thirty footers, which create a mm-hmm. lot of drama. You got to make and you got to make a bunch of those uh, six to twenty footers for par. You, you got to make a couple of those each round. I think uh, I think at Augusta, and you know now my personal pick is, is Jimmy Walker. I have picked Jimmy Walker. He drives the ball long, and then he does a lot of other things uh, pretty doggone well. And this guy's a winner. He's won five of his last 37 starts. He's won more than I think everybody except for Rory. And uh, he's a Texas guy. Those guys from Texas do pretty well on this course. Hello, Ben Hogan, Byron Nelson, you know, that kind of thing. And and um, I'm, I'm, I'm going with – and it's been a while since we have, like, a plotter, so to speak. Uh, maybe not since Mike Weir. It's been a real superstar winning this tournament since then. And I think we're due for one of those. All right. Hey, give us a quick little preview of uh, the TPC coming around the corner. Any news coming from uh, Ponte Vedra? Uh, well, we're, uh, the, the, the golf, the greens are going to be in a lot better shape than last year because all those agronomy issues, the misapplication of chemicals that that really hurt about five or six greens are gone. The greens have never been in better shape. Uh, they're going to, after the 2016 tournament, they're going to redo the greens again with a little bit better strain of Bermuda. They've gotten more heat than they thought they would leading into the tournament, and they're going to get a better straight of Bermuda that will, that will hold up to that. Uh, but for right now, everything is in fantastic shape. They have no, no structural changes made to this golf tournament or this course. They don't think they need it. Uh, it's still a course where everybody in that field is, is going to have an opportunity. And, uh, you know, it, and right now the speculation is since Tiger came back <laughs> to the Masters, you know, are they going to get him in Jacksonville with the players? And essentially, he might he 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 didn't get a chance to defend his title last year, so that would create a lot of buzz and a lot of speculation for that tournament if Tiger could play. Well, it's um going to be exciting. It's um really great to have uh, the players in May when it kind of can stand yeah. on its own and, and, and truly be the and, fifth major. And then one more quick thing: Roy McIlroy missed his first two cuts of the players. He's had three top tens in a row. This guy learns quick, and he's admitted. He told me. At the Honda Classic, he does not like feedback courses. He's got a love-hate relationship with him. But he understands that to be considered the champion that he wants to be, you've got to attack courses you don't like that don't suit your game and find a way to win on them. And that's his attitude about the uh, player championship. Awesome. Well, we appreciate Gary Smith from the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville checking in from the Media Center at the Masters. As always, Gary, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Golf Insider 740 The Game. Stay with us. We've got a lot more Masters Golf Talk coming up. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with Rich B., the eve of the Masters Championship, Rich. The azaleas are blooming. Come on, give me your pick. Just don't even slow play me on this. Give me a pick. I'm not sure yet. I, I want need... a dark horse. I got a dark horse. My dark horse is Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson. I don't There's know that your that's... Zach. Back of the field. Back of the pack, Zach. I don't know that that's such a dark horse. Um, I've got my eye on Maddie Kuchar. Maddie. Now, you know, hey, the obvious, we've, we will be talking about Bubba, Jimmy Walker, Jason Day, Rory. My gosh, Rory. 
my gosh, career Grand Slam. And, you know, he's floating a little under the radar, just a little, thanks to Tigger coming back. But, um, you know, there's another event going on this week, Rich B. And I know you're very interested in this because I know how much you like that Antiques Roadshow and, <laughs> you know, American Pickers. And you got a fair amount of collectibles around the Rich B. Hacienda. I do. I do. I do. I enjoy that stuff. And, uh, I, you know, I saw this ad on uh, one of the golf magazines here. I'm like, you really can buy this stuff? You can own a piece of... Uh... You can. And we're, we're, we're going uh, to talk for a minute. There's a, a, a company based right in our backyard in the Tampa Bay area called the Golf Auction. And they specialize in collectibles and memorabilia just for the golf world. And they are holding a global online auction. It started last Thursday. It's running through Sunday. And there's all kinds of incredible stuff from Augusta, you know, from past tournaments, from the inaugural Masters Tournament in 1934. And we're going to go to one of the co-founders on the line with us right now to tell us more, Kip Engel. Hey, Kip. Hey, Holly. Good to be on today from uh, Augusta, Georgia, as we get ready for the golfauction.com and the conclusion of our auction this Sunday evening. We're live now. Well, I know. We're uh, looking at it online right now, thegolfauction.com. Tell us a little bit about some of the items and how, um, how the auction works. Well, the auction works in that you come to our website, thegolfauction.com. You register to bid. Take a look through our 900-plus lots of items. Find something that you like, register, and place a bid. And bidding goes through Sunday evening. And we'll wrap up uh, right after that final putt uh, falls Holly on Sunday night. Well, you've got um, a very interesting set of um, Ben Hogan irons that I know has a great history behind them. Uh, from the famous 1955 U.S. Open where uh, Jack Fleck, a, a lot of people may not be familiar with that name, but he was a young pro who came from behind to beat Ben Hogan. It was considered one of the biggest upsets in golf because he was virtually an unknown. And uh, this is you got, you got some big money going on these clubs. We do. That's something that's going to uh, reach into the tens of thousands of dollars for these once they're finally hammered down. And it's really an interesting story, Holly, in that Ben Hogan was just getting his equipment company started in 1955. And, of course, he was playing his clubs himself. And Jack Fleck said, I'd like to give those a go early in the season. And so he sent his specs off to the Hogan Equipment Company, picked up the the irons at Colonial, and then uh, had all of the clubs in the bag coming into the Olympic Club, and lo and behold, Ben Hogan brings him the irons for the set, and it gets to be Sunday, and uh, uh, coming down the stretch, Fleck runs Hogan down, sets up a playoff on Monday, 18 holes as the United States Golf Association plays it off to find a champion. And he, on Monday, then beats Ben Hogan with Hogan's clubs, telling him, congratulations, Mr. Hogan. I appreciate the complimentary clubs you gave me. They finished first and second in the U.S. Open. Got to love that story. Absolutely love it. I know uh, my friend here, Rich B., he's a big uh, Ben Hogan uh, student. 
and follower. You may have to make a bid there, Rich B. You know, I have no, there's nothing similar in our games uh, between Ben and I. But, you know, his, uh, his work ethic and, you know, and, and the fact that he did, he made his own golf clubs and he made a very good product. It was an awesome product. It's having a comeback now, too. The, the company has relaunched. And it's so cool that you come across some of this stuff. How do you actually come across it? That, that's the interesting thing here. Well, Rich, we're really fortunate that a lot of times it will come from players in the, in the game. It will also come from people that have, uh, have worked in the industry, be it a sports writer covering the game. Or it could come from uh, here. We've had the pleasure while in Augusta of meeting with uh, several uh, relatives of, of people that belong to the Augusta National, and they've been kind enough to bring out great things. In the case of the Irons, they came right from Jack Fleck, who passed away from his widow, who gave us that fine lot. She also gave us the 1962 Low Scorers Masters Crystal and some of Jack's contestant pins. The contestant pins are something that's highly collectible since there's so few of them. With less than 100 players in this week's Masters, there's less than 100 contestants pins. So these are real prized among the top collectors in the country, and we're fortunate enough to have Jack Fleck's 1962 Masters contestants pin, and also in 62 on the fourth round, when Arnold Palmer got into a playoff that day, he shot 75 on Sunday in the Masters. And lo and behold, Jack Fleck shot 69 and got the prize crystal that the players really, really looked for, termed Masters Crystal. Jack had it in 62 when he shot 69 on Sunday, and now it's in the golf auction, available to be bid on by your listeners. You've got a wide range, like you said, what, 900 different um, items. You know, these range from autographed flags, scorecards, um, you know, uh, let's see, there's some, there are actually some Augusta member golf bags on here that seem to be doing quite well. And it, at one point, I think at a recent auction, you sold one of the remaining Sunday tickets from the inaugural Masters Tournament in 1934, which was then known as the Augusta National Invitational Tournament. And this number is amazing. It sold for almost $32,000, right, Kip? Absolutely, Holly. Another really interesting, it seems like all of these have a story behind them. This person was the daughter of the person who built Bobby Jones's home in Atlanta, Georgia. And she was a very elderly woman at the time and was downsizing her home and taking it out and forth to the, out to the garbage was the 1934 First Masters ticket. And it happened to drop out of a bag onto the street. And get one out. of our buddies in the collecting world was helping her get this out the door and, uh, and said, you've got a lot of money there. And uh, so she was kind enough to consign it to us, one of 12 examples that exist of the 34 ticket. So a great item. Those are really, really popular right now, Holly, is these old master's tickets. Yeah, if you got any... one, they go to the plastic badges. The paper tickets, great collectible. Any of our listeners, if you got relatives in uh, the Augusta, Georgia area, maybe Atlanta, <laughs> you should be calling them up and uh, saying, hey, start going through your closet and your drawers. Don't be throwing out now, any of the garbage. You know, I, on the other hand, now, somebody like Arnold Palmer is a notorious pack rat for all of his 
his uh, equipment, shoes, flags. I mean, he's, he's got even, a warehouse. He does. He's even got uh, like uh, letters that people have sent him for requesting uh, stuff. He's got crazy, you know, uh, hordes of stuff. When is yeah, he going to turn that stuff loose? Right about that, Rich. <laughs> it's a wonderful collection uh, Arnie has, and I'm glad you bring that up because we have one of the finest known autographs of Arnie in this. Not just a regular autograph, but he did a promotional appearance in the Pittsburgh area, and it's about a four-by-six large painting of Arnold that he's inscribed with each of his majors, writing out each of them, also detailing his Ryder Cup. And that's, that's a beautiful autograph from one of the true greats of the game, as Holly's had the pleasure of knowing so closely, Arnold Palmer. Well, the auction is going on through Sunday night, correct, Kip? It is. Sunday night, we wrap it up. You'll want to have initial bids in by 7 o'clock that evening. But uh, things get going hot and heavy in, in the auction back and forth. A lot, a lot of people now stalking the field for bids and really, really analyzing things closely and deciding which way they're headed, if they're going to bid on an autograph item, if they're going to bid on those nice clubs of Jack Fleck or maybe uh, the crystal vase that he won from Augusta or certainly those contestants pins. Contestants pins are some of the most collected right now of of the real high-end collectors, that's what they're looking for. Yeah, and if you're if you're a, if you're a beginner collector, there's some items here you can get in on and uh, you know uh, pick up to get yourself started. If you're you know a, a first timer, um, you know there's there's some stuff here for uh, you know for every every wallet uh, size, I would say. Absolutely, and and there again, you talk about some of the the legends. You you can pick up a nice item signed by a Jack Nicholas or an Arnold Palmer, something that you can treasure for your lifetime, for right at a hundred dollar bill. So not everything is about a a tens of thousand dollar piece. Whoever your favorite player is, and we're constantly adding the new stars of the game. We have items from Jordan Spieth in there, from Rory McIlroy in there. The, the real stars right now, the folks that you are handicapping for, who's going to win? And you might want to set your eyes. It's been a long time since a Texan like Ben Crenshaw won. You might want to set your eyes towards Texas this year and look for your winner there. <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more, Kip. All right, so if uh, you want to participate in the golf auction, go to thegolfauction.com, or they can also uh, phone in bids, correct? Absolutely. We're... Right now, we have a staff here that can take your phone bid. If you'd like to bid, go to thegolfauction.com. Take a look at our website. You'll find our phone number there. You can give us a call, email us. We're ready to take your bids as we speak, Holly. And I imagine, too, if somebody finds a little treasure in their attic um, or in a little trunk that's, uh, you know, maybe in a storage unit, they should also contact you. At the golf Absolutely. auction, if they're interested in selling, correct? That's correct, Holly. We uh, we have our U.S. Open auction. We'll be on site at the U.S. Open as well out in Chambers Bay this year. Come June, works out real well that it's right around Father's Day, and we're uh, we're taking in items now for consignment for that auction, the U.S. Open auction, and the remainder of our auctions that we'll have throughout the year. So this is an ongoing thing, and we're always looking for new and exciting collectibles out there. All right, Kip Ingo, thank you so much. Go to thegolfauction.com and check out all these amazing golf 
collectibles and memorabilia. You're listening to the Golf Insider 740 The Game. We're going back to the media center live at Augusta. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. We're back, the Gulf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I 4 in the house, Holly G, along with Rich B. We are going to waste no time to go to one of our big dogs in terms of golf insiders. The one, the only Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel live from Augusta National. Hey, Todd. Hey, guys. How are you? Do you have green socks on today, Todd? Uh, Just I curious. I remember if I have socks on. Because oh, no, <laughs> I know a lot of times you don't have socks on. <laughs> no, I have socks that are black. You have to do a lot of walking around here at Guns National. You know, and so. if you don't have them, Todd, you can go to the merchandise tent. I'm sure they got them to sell in there. <laughs> the only problem is that there's a line about just to get into the merchandise. That place is crazy. Oh, I know. I so made, much fun. I, I made a little request since neither one of us made it this year um, of someone to make a little uh, a little trip for me to the merchandise oh, center. I and I, I, I think I'm going to owe him a big dinner. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, so who won the par three? Was it Streelman, Todd? Uh, yeah, Streelman won. Uh, and it's a nice little story, too, in the fact that on his bag was a young man from Canada uh, through the Make-A-Wish Foundation who has an inoperable brain tumor. So Kevin, who is one of the nicest souls on the planet, much less in golf, uh, ha- had him on his bag to experience the inner workings of the par three. So wow. it's called karma. I think that's called karma. Yeah. So it worked for Kevin. Wow. That's uh that's pretty special. Uh and um Tiger out there with uh, Sam and Charlie. Boy, the cameras must have just been going a mile a minute. Yeah, it was uh I mean it was interesting. We have seen the different Tiger Woods I mean No it, joke. You know. What is going on? Well I you know I I kinda have a theory and I don't I'm not sure if it's this is him doing this consciously or subconsciously. But I think that, you know, we're used to, when Tiger shows up in a major championship especially, of him having that steely-eyed focus, that assassin uh, tone about him. Um, and we're not seeing that this week. We're seeing the warm, fuzzy Kumbaya Tiger Woods. And I think that it's because he's not completely confident with his game. And he kind of is wanting to lower the expectations, again, consciously or subconsciously, I'm the fan. Um, so if Tiger Woods, let me just say this, if Tiger Woods was on top of his game, as it the way he wants it, we wouldn't see all this lovey-dovey, huggy stuff this week. I can promise you that. Mmm, interesting angle. Mmm. So it's not perhaps that, um, you know, he's getting into fatherdom and, you know, the, the kids tugged on him and said, Dad, we want to be there, take us, and... Suddenly, uh, the you know little um, magic Cinderella dust turned him into no, Mister Nice Guy. I don't. No, I, I don't want to sit here and say that Tiger's a robot. But I mean, I do think. I mean, from conversations we've had. It seems like his kids have been a positive influence on him as of late. Um, I think he's he's lived in a fishbowl for you know close to thirty years now, 
and I, I, I feel as if he's probably tired of being Tiger Woods in, from that perspective. And um, I think, obviously, as he gets older, he's going to be 40 this year, that you mature, you have different perspectives in life. And I think, you know, you throw all of those things into one big bowl and mix it up, and that's what you got with Tiger Woods in 2015. Well, as we've been talking about, and you have on the Golf Channel, uh, a lot of guys that are probably happy that Tiger's in the mix here. Um, you know, all these great stories. Will Bubba go back-to-back? Will, you know, Jordan Spieth, um, you know, be able to step up after having the opportunity last year? Uh, Jason Day. And, you know, Rory, hello, Rory, going for the career Grand Slam. A whole lot of uh, interesting storylines going on. Absolutely. Uh, but Tiger is, right now, his return to golf, you consider how compelling it was to watch him scratch his way around TBC Scottsdale with the way he managed to see his open. Um, and that is the biggest story, without a doubt. He's had the biggest gallery here this week by far. He's not even close, so that is a perfect indication of where, um, where people will be watching, at least early on in the Masters, and that is to see what Tiger Woods has, um, what he's been working on, if indeed he's as confident with his game as he keeps telling us. Is this a little bit after coming off the Scottsdale event, a little bit like watching a NASCAR race where, I mean, you think people are wondering, is he, you know, going to come out there and crash and burn, or is it going to be the rejuvenated Tiger? What do you sense? I think it's a little both. I think people want to see where where he's going with his game. Uh, I will say this. I have yet to see him, whether it's on the tournament practice grounds or out playing in practice ground. I have yet to see him hit a bad ship. Yet to see it, which is amazing to me. Um, but, um, you know, I think that people are going to want to see what's going on with this game, good and bad. And I think that's compelling. I think that's going to bring a lot of eyeballs to the Masters and to this major. And so, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that they're looking for him to crash um, because I can tell you this. If he's in contention heading into Sunday, the ratings will be off the chart and uh, golf will be well served. Yes, that's speaking good of, <clears throat> Speaking of ratings, Todd, what do we got for coverage coming up for uh, the Masters? Television well, tomorrow morning we're, we're, well, tomorrow morning we're going to be on bright and early, uh, 8 o'clock. Um, you know, Arnie and Jack and Gary are going to hit the ceremonial tee shot at around 7.30. And so I'll be on the first fairway live describing what happened. We can't show it to you, but I can describe what happened. Then we'll get some interviews with the big three. And then we'll be on until 3 o'clock. Um, and that's when ESPN, our good friends at ESPN, will take over with live coverage of round number one. So. Yeah, we've been out here. We've been working a lot. I mean, it's it's a lot of hours we're putting in, but it's a labor of love. Yeah, starting out with the drive, chip, and putt, by the way, uh, just fantastic coverage of Sunday. That was so much fun to watch, and what a great new tradition to add to the entire week. And then you've got this very um, interesting special that is going to air next Monday on Ben Crenshaw. He's one of the sweetest guys you're, you're ever meet if you get a chance to meet him uh and him and carl jackson this is going to be their you know it's a long time to say carl jackson so be their final masters appearance then final masters appearance carl may come back on the back of somebody else we don't know yet um but but it was cool today because today something interesting happened in the champions parking lot so ben pulled into the champions parking lot and there was tiger woods in the champions parking lot and Tiger asked Ben, hey, Ben, who are you playing with today? And Ben said, I'm playing with Jordan Spieth, who is a University of Texas product, just like Ben Crenshaw. Uh, and this is his final practice round of Masters. 
And Tiger, Tiger is the greatest player of our generation. Are, are we are we in disagreement there? No. <laughs> no. Okay. No. So Tiger Woods, the greatest player of our generation, who players have asked to play with and practice with. I say Tiger, can we play with him? Tiger Woods asked Mr. Crenshaw, "I'm a single. Do you mind if I join you?" Because in, in a tribute to Ben Crenshaw, so it was wow. Ben Crenshaw, um, Jordan Spieth, and Tiger Woods playing what is Ben's final practice round at the match. Wow, good stuff. You gotta love that. Mm. And I was there at that '95 Masters when he won after um, uh, Harvey Pinnock passed away, his you know longtime beloved coach, and it was it was just beyond magical. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was it was something else. So, Todd, uh, there's, you know, I mean, we, we could spend an hour going through all the possibilities, but, you know, who, who are you sensing? Um, is it, is it going to be Bubba? Uh, you know, three lefties have won, I think, in the last 10 years. Well, Mike Weir was 2003, but we got Phil, we got Bubba. You know, clearly it seems to be favoring lefties of late. Um, but, you know, as we know, it's about distance and hitting greens and regulations, um, avoiding three putts. And uh, being able to scramble a little bit. So who, who's, who's on your radar of the top five, and who's your, you know, under-the-radar guy? Well, I'll see what I'll do. I'm going to start and give you a couple of sleepers who I like this week. All right. One, the first being J.B. Holmes, who won just last weekend. J.B. is a big hitter, but he also cuts the ball. And people think that that's not a good thing here, and at times it's not. But... When, you, when you're hitting the ball 300 yards, I don't care if it goes left or right or right to left to find the fairway. And secondly, if you hit a fade from the fairway, it's going to land softly on the green. So, uh, and, and J.B. is playing well now. Four top tens this last six starts, including two runner-up finishes and a victory. So I like him. Uh, and I like Keegan Bradley, who is playing Ooh. well right now, too. He feels like he was at a disadvantage with the anchored putter playing here on these greens because you need more feel. And so he's got that shorter putter in his bag now the club's more in his hand and he is very very excited about where his game is right now so i like keegan and jb as sleepers three guys who i like this week uh and i'll go three to one three being dustin johnson i think he's got the power and i you know even though he's never had a top 10 year which is shocking to me uh, he's playing well a month ago he won in miami so i like him number two is Bubba Watson for the reasons that we all know. He's won two of the last three. He hits it a mile. This course seems to set up for him. But the guy who I like the most is a guy who I think is going to validate being the best American player over the last two and a half years, and that is Jimmy Walker. Jimmy Walker has a tremendously high ball flight, which is great here at Augusta. He played all four majors for the very first time in one year last year, and three of them he had top ten, including here. Um, great putter. And he knows how to win, obviously. He's won five times since the fall of 2013. So I think if I had to put my mortgage payment on somebody, it would be on Jimmy Walker this week. I, I think that's a good pick. And, you know, he's a cool customer underneath that hat. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't get rattled too often. And one, other, one other thing I like, why I like him, only one guy has won on the PGA Tour that has had a 54-hole lead. And that is Jimmy Walker. Why is that important? Because you ask any player that has a lead heading into the final round, it is a big weight. And obviously only one person has done it in 2015, and that is Jimmy Walker. But he's not only done it once, he's done it twice in San Antonio and in Hawaii. So he can handle the pressure. Yeah, well, it is going to be a fantastic rest of the week. Todd Lewis, 
Thank you so much. As always, check out their full coverage beginning with Morning Drive the rest of this week. We appreciate always you spending some time with us. Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 740 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more Golf Talk. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so We're back, the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Rich B., and as we were mentioning at the top, Rich, the first major of the year for the LPGA, the newly named ANA Inspiration, um, a division of Japan Airlines, which has taken over the beloved, as many of us know it, back in the day, Dinah Shore, out in beautiful Rancho Mirage, California. The weather was spectacular. It was a little windy. And um, at the end of the day, Brittany Lincecum, who, wow, what a powerhouse she is. See her bang it down on 18 and uh, put it in there for a three to force a playoff against Stacey Lewis. And uh, we're going to go to our man who was there, Steve Eubanks from Global Golf Post, to recap it for us. Hey, Steve. How are you, Holly? Very good. And, I mean, you know, Sunday, last Sunday was just a a great day for golf, watching that playoff uh, at the Shell Houston and then watching a very exciting playoff at the LPGA's first major. Well, I do hope a lot of people tuned in and watched it because, uh, you know, I have to say that was one of the best, most exciting days of golf that we've had on any tour in some time. I mean, but, but the, you started out with the battle between um, between uh, Soyeon uh, Kim and uh, Stacey Lewis. They were two-shot swings on, I believe, five different holes. Uh, it, it was just an incredible battle down the stretch. And then out of nowhere, after just making par after boring par, Brittany Lincecum rips a five-iron from 190 to eight feet, drains it for eagle, and what do you know? She's in a playoff. You, you got was, you got that really game, Rich B? <laughs> 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 yeah, it was it was impressive. And um, what was it, a three-hole playoff? They, they kept playing 18, correct? First time in that tournament's history that they've had a three-hole playoff, and they kept playing 18. And, and you know, I, I have to say I'm glad it ended when it did because we couldn't have gotten a fourth one in. I mean, the sun was disappearing quickly over the mountain. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sad it ended the way it did. You know, with, with uh, safety driving it into a sandfill bunker, you kind of hoped that somebody would win it with birdie. But, uh, boy, it was just, just incredible stuff time after time. And um, Morgan Pressel, who, uh, as we know, was a great young player, won uh, there when she was, what, 16, 17? No, she, she won at 18. She's still the youngest to have won. Um, but uh, yeah, but I, I will say this. The, the, um, the, the changes that she has made to her golf swing recently are, are really phenomenal. I mean, she is, uh, you know, Morgan has always been a player that kind of swept the club inside quickly. Uh, and had a little come-over move. She had a real, a real steep angle of attack. And it hurt her because it cost her a lot of distance. Well, she is now, she feels as though she's taking the club way outside, but in essence, she's keeping it right in front of her now. Uh, and, and not only has it allowed her to, to generate a lot more speed through impact, but she's able to maneuver the ball now in ways that she wasn't able to before. So, uh, you know, I, I would say that this could be another breakout year for her. And, you know, Stacey Lewis is such a, such a bulldog competitor, you know. She, 
She has a little bit of that uh, dotty pepper in her, I, I think, you know. And um, I, I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised. Yeah, the, way I describe, the way I describe her, Holly, is that she's like one of those little yapping dogs. And once she latches onto your ankle, she's <laughs> never letting go. <laughs> yeah. Man, she's got a great uh, golf game and, and winning. Um, she uh, will be at the, the uh, Golf Writers' Dinner tonight up at Augusta, uh, picking up her award as Player of the Year. And I know you're an Atlanta uh, guy. Steve, and you're just a few hours down the road from uh, Augusta. I know you've been there uh, a few times. What do you, what do you see as we're getting close to uh, tee off tomorrow? Well, I've been in, I've been very fortunate in that, with I think one or two exceptions. I've been every year since I was ten years old. So uh, you know, it, it's it's. Um, I think we're looking at um, uh, the golf courses in the best shape it's been in ever. Um, and that, that's something. I mean, it's never in bad shape, but, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's playing as, as firm and fast now as it ever will. The thing to watch, uh, as is always the case this time of year, is the weather. We're supposed to have some uh, fairly severe thunderstorms blow through tomorrow. So, uh, you know, we could be one, in one of those situations where Thursday doesn't end until Friday, Friday doesn't end until Saturday. Um, so so it, it, uh, that, just keep an eye on the radar. But other than that, uh, it's going to be some compelling golf over the next week. I do. Um, some other guys, I think, to watch. Well, you know, there was a very compelling playoff, as we were just mentioning, at the Shell Houston between J.B. Holmes, Johnson Wagner, and Jordan Spieth. You know, Jordan has just been on fire, in, uh, you know, with the last few weeks, including winning here in Tampa at Valspar. J.B. Holmes uh, was just picked by Todd Lewis of the Golf Channel. I don't know about going back-to-back. That's a that's a pretty tall order. Um I'm looking at some other guys like Henrik Stenson, and hey, we haven't been talking about Adam Scott much, but he's gone back to you know his normal uh, anchored putter, so that could be interesting. And a guy that always plays well here, Lee Westwood. You know, it's interesting that that, that I'm, I'm glad that you brought Lee Westwood up because he's get, he's getting passed over in a lot of mentions these days, and uh, the, there are horses for courses, and he certainly. Uh, tends to come out well at Augusta National, and, and uh, even though he's never won one, he's always been in contention. He's always been lurking, and I, I think that you'll see him uh, perhaps make one more charge on the weekend. The other guy is Jimmy Walker. Look, I, I, my two picks are Jordan Spieth and Jimmy Walker just because of the way they put the ball. I mean, you have to put the ball well on this golf course, and you have to have a feel for firm and fast green. They do both. I think so, they're. Uh, you know, look, I, I think those are the guys to keep your eyes on. Those are two Texans right there. I love it. Absolutely. Big, tall hats. We've done pretty well there. Yeah, and we have to mention, because I don't think we have in 50 minutes of the show, Phil Mickelson. Hello. Speaking about a guy who could crank up the putter. He is a guy who can crank up the putter, and he's certainly someone who uh, has has a masterful command of of the greens there, uh, which is something you have to have. And uh, another guy that I think could be um, a good pick is Henrik Stenson. This could be Henrik's time to, you know, break out. It really could, you know. Henrik is his ball striking is, is second to none right now. I question, uh, I question his putting over seventy-two holes, uh, and also his temperament. I mean, look, I mean, I, I, I love the guy, and I and I think the world of him. But uh, boy, he is a volcano in, inside the ropes at times. What do you, and, uh, uh, you know, what do you think the uh, winning score? Maybe five under, seven under. I'm going to go five to seven. I think that's good. I don't think you're going to see the the eight to ten that they normally like for it to be. 
Uh, I think it'll be a little higher than that, but certainly not uh, not two or three either. So I think five to seven is a good range. All right, Steve. Steve Eubanks from Global Golf Post. We appreciate always having you on the show. Rich B., who are you going with? Brent? Hurry up, buddy. We're off the air in two Henry seconds. Stenson. Oh, he changed. I'm going with Matty Kuchar. Have a great week. End with the Masters. We love you, the Golf Insiders. We're out of here.